is a presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Big 12 era has begun, and BYU Cougars football is on the air. Keaton Slovis sets and fires, and has Keanu Hill in the end zone for the touchdown. We are two hours away from kickoff, and it's time to get you ready for the matchup with Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, to get you ready for today's game, alongside Hans Olsen, here's your host, Jason Shepard. Good afternoon, BYU football fans. Welcome into Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame. Live Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And what a day it is. Today, BYU takes the field in Lawrence, Kansas for an historic day. The Cougars playing their first ever Big 12 conference game. Today, it'll be against the Kansas Jayhawks. For more perspective... BYU will be playing a conference game for the first time since November 27th of 2010. That's how long it has been since the Cougars have played a conference game. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football. Joining me here in the press box at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium is former Cougar and my co-host Hans Olsen. Hans, you said you were fired up today. Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up, and I'm pretty sure I actually played in BYU's last conference game. I think that's how long ago it was. I think it might have been a Mount West Conference exhibition between BYU and Wyoming back in 1944. Like, it goes back a long way. It's so nice to be a part of a conference, though. Just having an opportunity to know some of the other broadcast partners and know some of the stadiums, get to know the fan bases, get to know... The media booths and what they feed you in the media booths and all those kinds of great things. Did you get your brat yet? Did you? Yeah. Brats are coming. I'm sorry. Did you say a brat? Did you get multiple brats? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brat. <laughs> yeah, I had a brat for each hand. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just, Shep. It's so great to be back in a conference, and I cannot wait to kick off conference play. There, there was always a different feel in the locker room when you were ready to kick off conference play. Yeah, what, what a monumental day here in, uh, in the nation's heartland, BYU and Kansas. And look, it's BYU's first Big 12 game. This is one of those games that for decades remaining, we're always going to remember BYU's first ever game. This is such a big deal for the Brigham Young University Athletic Department. What a big day. It is a big day, and I go back to... When Greg Rubel introduced me on stage at the Big 12 welcome party at midnight when BYU was introduced as an official Big 12 partner. And I remember thinking, well, how many people are going to come? It's midnight. How many people are going to come out to this thing? I get up on the stage, and it's a sea of people across the BYU practice field. And I'm thinking, what, 12,000? What, 15? I don't know how many thousand were out there, but it was jam-packed because it is a big deal. And you got Tom Homo up on the stage, and you brought Chad Lewis up, and you even got Alima Harrington to come out and voice the thing. Greg got up there, and he put together a poem, which, by the way, I want Greg to read in this pregame because that was one of the best poems I've ever heard in my life. It was awesome. So that just goes to it, Shep, like how big of a deal this is. They threw a midnight party and jam-packed the place with it. Well, and beyond 
the the grandeur of the event and the day we got a pretty good actual football game too you've got two undefeated teams both teams come in at three and zero. it is the conference opener for both teams this is just the second meeting all time between these two the last game was back in 1992 the bowl game 23 20 ku gets the victory and i think hans one of the things that I think we're all anxious to see is can BYU carry the momentum from last week's win in Fayetteville today here in Lawrence? Yeah, make sure that you put that game to bed. You know, there's a, there is momentum that you can carry, and there's confidence that you can carry, but you also have to hit the reset, and you can't let that be overconfidence. You can't let that affect you in any way coming out on this field. And I think that Jay Hill has done a really good job of managing his more his defensive side, kind of their mentality, their reset button, and getting them reset and refocused. So you just you want to bring that momentum in, but you have to understand this is a, a different team. It is a different team, and I think it's a better team. Well, and I, I think the, the side of the ball that's going to determine this is the defense today, and I think it all boils down to how well – the BYU defense can contain Jalen Daniels. This guy is unbelievable, and it's it's not just him. Devin Neal is a beast on the ground. They have they have been able to put up points, and and so much of it though is Jalen Daniels' ability not just to run himself because I don't even think he's done as much running by himself or designed runs. He's so dynamic that he keeps plays alive until he's ready to make a play, whether it's with his arm, whether it's with his leg. So I think that's huge. Plus, you have KU that's third nationally in the nation on third down conversion. Those are the two things, Jalen Daniels and, and limiting KU on third down. Yeah, they're going to be really important. So let me give you my top five weapons for Kansas on the offensive side. This is my top five. Okay. And I'll go five to one. Starting with number five, I think it's Luke Grimm. Number four, I think it's Mason Fairchild. Number three, I think it's Daniel Hyshaw, the backup running back. By the way, Mason Fairchild is the tight end. He's a third down threat. He's actually a second and short or a third down threat. He's, he's a nightmare in the post. Number two, Jalen Daniels, the quarterback. I think the number one threat that BYU's defense is facing today is Devin Neal. I think he is their main weapon. He's so good out of the backfield. People take a look at what he's done in the running game, but he's great in setting the pass pocket. He's great at getting on the outside, taking any type of screen set, taking any type of flat pass. He'll stiff arm you into next week. He'll juke you into next week. He's got everything, every weapon that you could imagine in his tool belt. So you have to be ready to take down Devin Neal. They're going to have to be as sure-handed tackle as they – been so far through the season and and they've been pretty good they missed a couple on kj jefferson the quarterback yeah. from arkansas last week but they got to make sure that they are sealing up and bringing down these running backs one of the cool side stories in this matchup is the lassiter family with darius lassiter and quentin lassiter a, a receiver versus a cornerback one on each team obviously their father played in the last game these two teams played in uh, and the Lasseter family, they were big Jayhawks fan. You'll actually hear 
from head coach Lance Leipold, my conversation with him a little bit later on in Cougar pregame live. You know, but he talks about that Darius was around the program all the time, and it really boiled down to, to a scholarship crunch where they weren't able to really go after him. But what a cool story and what an awesome um, moment for the Lassiter family to be able to experience a game like this. Yeah, how cool would that be? And I was actually talking with Brian, who's going to be joining us here in just a little bit, about the Lassiter family. I'll let him kind of tell the, sco- the cool story about it, but it's going to be really neat to see the family reunion here on the field, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people... I, it's funny, I always think of it from a player's perspective. <laughs> and I get anxiety thinking about how many tickets they had to wrangle in the locker room, <laughs> how many freshmen they had to shake down. I used to go in, and even as a sophomore, I'm like, all right, I'm checking out my freshmen because I had 25, 30 family members that come to every game. And I'm like, hey, are you guys using your four tickets? Yes. Oh, are you sure? Because I could really use them. Yeah. <laughs> just shaking down people for tickets because it's going to be a big family reunion out here for the Lassiters. And, and this is what's unique about it, Shep. You can have brothers or you can have family members on same team, opposite team, but you don't always have some of the best players. It's, yeah. Sometimes it's role players or, oh, yeah, he's on the team too, but he's the backup kick returner. These guys are primary on both sides, both BYU and Kansas. So I think it's a great story. Well, you reference Brian Haney. He is the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. He is going to join us coming up on the other side as we preview the Cougars and the Jayhawks, the very first Big 12 game for the BYU football team. We're talking about it next. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Welcome back to Lawrence, Kansas. This is Cougar Pregame Live, getting you ready for BYU and the Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome back into the press box here in Lawrence. Happy to be joined now by Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Brian, it's been fun to, to talk with you off air. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled you guys are finally here. I've been telling anybody who's willing to listen, this is my favorite of the four additions to the Big 12 for so many reasons, and I uh, just can't wait to get a new friendship started, a new rivalry started perhaps with two tradition-rich athletic departments about to go toe-to-toe. Well, and Hans and I were talking about this. Beyond everything that's around it with the first conference game just in general for both of these teams this year and BYU's first ever Big 12 game, two really good teams that come in 3-0 as well. There's that part as well. No doubt. And the way you guys performed last week in Fayetteville against the team that handed us our last loss in the bowl game a year ago at the Liberty Bowl, that caught everybody's attention in Jayhawk Nation, certainly caught this team's attention. We go from last week playing as... 29 or 30 point favorites against a club that the week before had lost to an FCS team to now taking on somebody that logged a major victory in SEC territory. We were worried about a look-ahead factor last week. There's no worry about that this week. The Hawks are dialed in and respect BYU a ton. Isn't it crazy how fast this goes, Brian? Like we were just sharing a tray of nachos, <laughs> getting ready for Big 12 media days. That's right, Hans. Enjoying our time in Texas. And, and now here we are a few games deep each getting ready for this thing to kick off as you watch the first three games what are you most sure about with this kansas football team i'm most sure of the fact that they're one of the most exciting teams to watch in america 
whether they go out and hang 40 on the scoreboard most nights or the way they go about doing it with a lot of offensive creativity in the play calling, a dynamic quarterback that's the best we've had in 15 years going back to Todd Reising and the Orange Bowl team from 2007. This is a really special and really fun team to watch when they've got the ball on offense. And our OC, Andy Kotelnicki, stole the page out of Andy Reid's book. I know Jason's a big Chiefs fan. Go Chiefs! Uh, Andy lets his players do some creativity in the play calling, bringing him ideas to implement on the field. Well, Andy Kotelnicki did the same thing with his guys in the offseason, and we've already seen two instances of player-inspired plays so they're fun to watch they're dynamic Jalen Daniels should be a household name by the end of the season if he's not already and I know you're really impressed hands with real deal Devin Neal that's what we call him this kid's special real deal baby number two in America in total touchdowns he's top 10 in yards per carry and he's from right here in Lawrence Kansas and the neat story about Devin is he committed to this program as the number one prospect in the state of Kansas when we didn't have anything going for us and a lot of people said what are you doing picking Kansas what are you doing picking your hometown team they were just winless a year ago come on man go to k-state go somewhere else he said no i I believe in sticking it out where i'm from something special is on the horizon there and sure enough three years later under lance leipold they've turned this thing in a hurry and even though he won't be here to see it by the time this new stadium is done when you guys come back in two years it could be a brand new stadium they already have brand new facilities here talking about possible back-to-back bowl seasons for just the second time in school history my oh my has the complexion around this program changed almost overnight under Lance Leipold. Well, and let's keep talking about the offense, because as you alluded to, Hans, you know, said that he thinks BYU's first defensive key should be Devin Neal. I, I go with Jalen Daniels. As you mentioned, you use the word dynamic. I've said that all week long. That That's just the word that comes to mind. But neither of those can do what they do if the offensive line isn't doing its job. Talk about the O-line. No doubt. That's a great observation. I know in talking with our coaches earlier this week, they felt like this game will either be won or lost in the trenches. And many games are, but especially in this matchup because of your front seven defensively. Our O-line is better and deeper than it's been in a long time, but last week we looked a little bit vulnerable. There were some self-inflicted wounds with penalties. The protection for Jalen wasn't as good. Dominic Pooney is the anchor. He's a transfer from Central Missouri State. He's our best pro prospect. He's the left tackle. They've got good size along that line, but the two guys they brought in to be immediate impact transfers, Logan Brown from Wisconsin, who's a former five-star, believe it or not, and then Spencer Lovell, they haven't made their way to the top of the two deep like we thought they would so it's a group that i think is good but they've not yet shown to be great and that's going to be important today and then if you guys are getting pressure on Jalen, sometimes because i referenced the chiefs earlier you got patrick mahomes right down the road you watch some of these dynamic quarterbacks in the nfl who make plays with their feet and they make the unbelievable happen there's a tendency to want to always do that my color analyst david lawrence calls it hero ball and last week Jalen got in trouble trying to play hero ball a couple of times in one case took a sack that forced us to punt out of our own end zone sometimes you just got to check it down to the running back take the seven yards and, and get out of dodge right Dodge City, just about three hours from here, by the way, if you use that phrase. (laughs) Actually uh, getting out of Dodge. Yeah. So for Jalen, if the pocket is collapsing today, he can do some great things with his feet, but don't try to do too much because sometimes that can get you beat as well. I also want to give BYU fans the heads up. So I wouldn't want to get in a race with Devin Neal, but I wouldn't want to get in a fist fight with Daniel Hyshaw. (laughs) So I I don't want to race Neal, but I don't want to fist fight Hyshaw. Would that be an... uh, kind of a the right observation well i wouldn't win a fist fight with any of these guys but you're absolutely right about high for sure and before he had the hip injury last season 
Pro Football Focus actually thought he was our best offensive pro prospect, and the scouts still love him. But he had one play versus Duke where he broke five tackles en route to a 70-yard touchdown, and it was one of the most dynamic plays I've seen in my eight years on the call here at Kansas. He is explosive. He is powerful. He will run through you but can also blow by you if he gets to the edge. So that's a heck of a one-two punch in Neal and Hyshaw. And then they'll go to Dylan McDuffie a little bit, who was with this staff at Buffalo several years ago. But the main two horses that pull the plow are Neal and Hyshaw for Kansas. Let's talk about the defense and I guess they probably get overlooked because we spent so much time talking about the offense and how prolific it is. But you are talking about a defense that's, I believe, sixth in the nation in tackles for loss. How are they feeling coming off the Nevada game? Great question. You know, they had 10 more tackles for loss out in Reno. They forced five fumbles but didn't recover a single fumble. I don't know if you BYU fans have a football sabermetrics expert that can tell me what percentage of fumble recoveries is luck versus skill, but you'd like to think if you force the opposition to put the ball on the carpet five times, at least one of them would hop up into your belly and you'd take it away. But they went 0 for 5 on recovering those live balls. If they just get one, we probably aren't sweating bullets at the end of the game and we're not talking about Kansas underwhelming out in Reno. But as Lance Leipold said, when you're coming from a program that struggled to win for a decade on the road, no road wins in over 10 years, we shouldn't be ashamed or apologize for winning closely away from home. We should celebrate every win. I thought the defense actually did some really nice things. They just didn't have big takeaways. But down the stretch, when the game needed to be secured, you saw Kenny Logan, a senior safety, step up and make the big tackle for loss. He had two and a half TFLs in that game. Ten total in the contest, as you said, sixth in the nation in tackles for loss. And that was an area of concern coming in because a year ago, we were 121st in yardage allowed in terms of total defense, right? And we lost all four defensive line starters, one of which went to the NFL. And you're thinking, what's that going to be like? Honestly, guys, we're way better up front defensively, and we're more disruptive, and we're in the opponent backfield more than we were this time a year ago. So I think the defense actually uh, has been a great bright spot, even though it was a tight game a week ago. They just didn't have much fortune on those live balls that they forced with the five forced fumbles. Well, it was crazy, too. Nevada's quarterback really was kind of a hero at times. He was a hero. He's a game-changer picked up some big first downs and kept things alive. What would you think of your trip to Reno? Um, how do I say this? We spent three hours in Lake Tahoe, and I loved it. <laughs> I don't know if I need to ever go back to Reno again. <laughs> but Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe was, was amazing. It was breathtaking. It was the best part of the trip. And that's not to knock Reno, but. Hey, it is the biggest little city. Isn't that what it is? The that's what they says? say. Biggest yes. little city in the world. But, yeah, unfortunately, it, there, there's some, some areas that you don't really feel safe walking at night out there. Uh, so. No, it's true. But it, but it makes it for a tough place to play, too. You know, and I suppose so. I'd say one of the biggest things that BYU fans go to, because I was talking, I've been saying that Kansas is a better football team than Arkansas, and BYU fans say, well, why would Nevada push them as far as they pushed them? Well, I felt like it was Nevada's quarterback kept them in the game. Kansas made a couple of bad mistakes. You talked about one in particular. But I felt like Kansas still had most control in that Nevada game. Yep, they did. And that's what our coaching staff said. They never felt like they weren't controlling the game. You know, gained over 100 yards more, all of that. 
But when you allow Cinderella to hang around at the ball and the clock hasn't struck midnight yet, we were nervous. We thought if they went down and scored, they'd probably go for two to avoid overtime, and you never want to be in a situation like that if you're the supposed favorite. But to call it like it is, guys, we're not used to being road favorites. All of this recent success is just that. It's recent. And so Kansas is learning how to play from out in front, play as the favorites, and live up to expectations. But for all of us here, this is a pretty different feeling based on what we've been through the last 14 years. All right, Brian, uh, one last thing before we uh, we let you go and we appreciate your time. It's, it's uh, Hans mentioned this, you know, in terms of beyond just the football stuff, it's, it's fun to get to go to new places and make new memories and get to meet new broadcasters and build those relationships. So I appreciate you stopping by. But I, I realize bringing up something that requires seeing it on radio is probably not the best radio. But you're sporting quite the ring. You want to tell people what you're wearing right now? Well, I'll tell you what. I've got a bunch of basketball rings at home, which you might imagine. But yes. it, it took seven years to finally get a football ring. <laughs> uh, and, and we love this one, so I wear it all the time. I wear it way more than my basketball national championship ring. It's got the uh, ESPN College Game Day logo on one side because we hosted that a year ago. It was actually their fourth most watched episode. I think so many Kansas fans came out of the woodwork because KU was actually hosting Game Day. We lost that day because Jalen Daniels got hurt, and we lost to the team that wound up playing for all the marbles, TCU. But that was a special day. And then on the other side of the ring is the Liberty Bowl, of course. Also a game we lost. But, hey, we still got the ring because we went to a bowl game, and I'm going to wear it. That is an impressive ring, my friend. Thank you. All right. Brian, thank you so much for stopping by. Again, it's great to get to know you and hopefully be able to continue to do this. I'm so impressed by all you guys. You've been amazing. I love Greg. I love the whole crew. And earlier this summer, just a quick shout-out, had a chance to hang out with Brandon Crow and Cleon Wall, all the guys from BYU TV and BYU Radio and Podcasting. They came out and spotlighted a local pediatric cancer organization that I have a chance to work with some people on and, and direct called the Rock Chalk Roundball Classic. And I was just so blown away. And to see the philanthropic efforts that your fan base is doing while they're in town this weekend, I told our fans, we got to step up and act like BYU when we're on the road. I am just blown away by the hearts of your fan base and the classiness of everybody involved around it. So thank you. And as I said, what a tremendous acquisition or, or welcome in uh, by the Big 12 Conference to land you guys. I think you're the best of the bunch of any of the schools we've been able to add in the first and second wave. Means well, a lot. Yeah, we appreciate that. And, again, thank you for the insight and have a great call today. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. Appreciate it, guys. There we go. That is Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. After the break, Hands takes a deeper dive into last week's remarkable catches by a couple of BYU's playmakers. X's and Olsen is next. You're listening to the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Before we get back into the segment, let's quickly pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Mountain America Cougar Pre-Game Live. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen with you from David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas. And Hans, not only did we see an impressive comeback win by the Cougars last week at Arkansas, but we saw two of the best catches you'll see in a game. One of them 
by the way, made number one on the Sports Center top ten. Hans, you want to take a closer look at just how impressive the catch by Isaac Rex and the touchdown by Chase Roberts was. Well, they were both spectacular catches, and it's funny throughout the week I've had BYU fans asking me which I thought was more dynamic or more impressive. I had other BYU fans just giving me their opinion that Chase Roberts was more impressive. And I wanted to go through just the film and the breakdown of these catches. I think that Isaac Rex catch had a higher level of difficulty. He's running a post. That ball's over the top of him. He basically got two fingertips on that ball to tap it back in the air to where he could jump and get himself back underneath it with one hand. It was one of the more difficult catches I think I've ever seen in the game of football. Chase Roberts is getting the love and attention because his one-handed grab happened to be a touchdown. So anytime you put points on a big catch like that, I think it's going to get more attention. But Isaac Rex, if there is no Chase Roberts last week, Isaac Rex is the talk of the town with that catch. Both of those catches, I think, were critical to getting BYU in the position that they were put in to win that game, both leading to points. Eventually, Isaac Rex's big catch led to some points for BYU. Led to a rushing touchdown from L.J. Martin. Absolutely. So... It's those type of critical catches and critical moments that you got to have. you got to have playmakers. And, and Shep, BYU is used to having receiving playmakers. Puka Nakua was a dynamic receiving playmaker. The catch that he had against Boise State on fourth down in the end zone is one of the greatest catches and one of the greatest moments in BYU history. In fact, I put it as the highest level of difficulty catch I've seen in BYU history. That Puka Nakua catch against Boise State where he's got a guy grabbing onto his chest. He keeps one toe in. Nobody thought he was in. He's still able to come down with that football. But that Isaac Rex catch goes right behind it. That Chase Roberts right behind that. I would say that you could even throw in a couple of other th- others throughout the, uh, throughout the, the years. Um, there have been some big-time BYU catches, but... That's what BYU needs. They just need some dynamic playmakers that are going to go above and beyond their duty to make plays like that. All right, that's this week's edition of X's and Olsen. Up next, he gives maximum effort on the field and on the mic. Linebacker Max Tooley joins me for this week's Shep Talk after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Welcome back to Lawrence, Kansas. It is the first Big 12 conference game for the BYU Cougars. The fans are filing in here to David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. Overcast skies, they are expecting thunderstorms. Later on today, they even mentioned on the uh, news last night, now, not in this area, uh, but the weather that is circulating through the area uh, could potentially produce a tornado. Again, not directly in this area, but some other places where the storm may be. So uh, some interesting weather uh, towards the end of this one I think everybody is anticipating. In the meantime, Cougar linebacker Max Tooley decided to come back for his sixth season. BYU Sports Nation certainly glad he did. Tooley is second in tackles. He also has a sack. Plus, don't forget that he picked off K.J. Jefferson at a crucial time in the Arkansas game. 
Max is this week's subject of Shep Talk, and I asked him what he took away from the victory over the Razorbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that win was everything we, we wanted it to be, expected it to be. We expected it to be a dogfight. Um, we expected, you know, all 60 minutes to be a, a grinder is like is what I like to call it. You know, you know, it's going to be physical every single play. Everyone's going to have to do their best to win their one, one-on-one battles each play, especially against a, a big SEC school like that in a big-time environment. Honestly, it's what dreams are made of for, for a college football player. You know, having the chance to go into a couple SEC schools in my career and you know, get the dub with Cougar Nation supporting so strongly as well has been unreal. Let's play off that a little bit. Football's fun. It's supposed to be fun. How much fun is a game like that? It's a lot of fun. Honestly, it's a different mindset for me uh, this year compared to like a game like Tennessee where I had less of a role, um, wasn't playing as much because there was almost... You know, I had more energy to celebrate after that game. Um, but a game like Arkansas is kind of just me and my own thoughts trying to take everything in just because I was, you know, mostly just gassed from that last drive, you know, going into the locker room. So I was still trying to catch my breath a little bit. But yeah, ultimately just taking in that whole experience, seeing the bunch of BYU fans that were there, singing the fight song afterwards, you know, it was it was a great memory that I'll have for the rest of my life. So. Well, obviously Saturday marks a big game for BYU. You and your teammates will be doing something that no other BYU football player has done since November of 2010 and that's playing a conference game. What does that aspect mean to you and your teammates heading into this game against the Jayhawks? It's big time. Being in a conference, uh, it's been such a long time, especially being in a competitive conference like the Big 12. It's going to have a, a whole other meaning to the game. You know, you're playing for something more. You're playing for a conference championship, ultimately. Um, so, you know, every every week matters. Every, every opponent is going to, you know, bring their A game because they have the same goal in mind. Um they have that their eyes set on that trophy. So every game going forward that we're playing in the Big 12 is going to be huge and crucial to our, you know, our motivation and our success. Well, the good news is you're 3-0. You went 3-0 in non-conference. And at its base level, non-conference is there to prepare you for conference play. Do you feel with how you guys performed in the first three games, you guys have adequately prepared yourself for what you'll face in the Big 12? Like you're saying, I think uh, these first three preseason games, you know, non-conference games, games that, you know, some people say don't really matter as much. Um, they're they're crucial to, you know, a learning curve and a learning uh, point in, in every aspect of a team, you know, especially for our defense coming in with Jay Hill, learning a whole new scheme for the guys that have already been here and the guys transferring in, learning it as well. It's been nice to have these three games, you know, to see us increasingly get better each week. Um, same with the offense. You know, a lot of guys are new on the offense. We have a lot of a lot of transfers coming in, so it takes a second to mesh. These first three games have been crucial. Um, seeing the you know the different kinds of teams, especially ending ending our preseason with Arkansas, big physical SEC team. That's going to be really important for our, you know the the standard we set going into the Big Twelve. The Kansas offense is led by an extremely dynamic quarterback in Jalen Daniels, and this is an offense that can put up some big plays. They're a big play offense. I know that you faced another guy that was similar to Jalen Daniels and K.J. Jefferson, although there's a significantly difference in size. Daniels is significantly smaller, but maybe even more dynamic. How much did it help to play a dual-threat quarterback last week going into another dual-threat quarterback this week? Yeah, I think I think it was huge, honestly, playing uh, K.J. Jefferson last week. You know, he's a big time athlete. We saw it last year, what he what he was able to do to us. And even, you know, the plays that he was able to make last week, you got to give him credit for for the plays he was able to make. Sometimes, you know, 
just blows your mind getting getting out of some of these sacks and these tackles and he just moves forward but like like you said it's a big time thing to play that guy a week before we play Jalen Daniels um a huge a huge dynamic threat to Kansas's offense both in the run game and the pass game so I think yeah just facing an offense like that is going to be crucial to to helping us prepare for Kansas and the other teams going forward Everybody after the game, coaches, players, all obviously elated with the performance at Arkansas, but everybody said there's still room to get better. Where do you think those areas are that you can still get better, whether it's for you personally on the defensive side as a whole, where do you think those improvements can be made against Kansas? I'm probably my biggest critic and, you know, I got a lot of compliments and praise for the game, but in my head, you know, after the game, I just, I wasn't fully satisfied. I, I feel like I left a lot of plays out there, you know, could have made some open field tackles that I missed. So me personally, in that aspect of my game, I really want to improve as well as a, as a whole team, you know, just starting starting the game strong you know going down 14-0 is not easy to come back from um you know we showed that we can do it but I think you know going forward I think we want to we want to put together a full 60 minutes of big time football you know and we know that we still have a lot to show and a lot to prove all right Max let's wrap things up with the final four questions here we go what is your favorite ice cream flavor and when was the last time you had it it may be controversial because I'm at BYU but I love coffee ice cream um Hagen <laughs> coffee ice cream it's always been my favorite I don't think it has cop maybe it does I don't know but it's it's not a hot drink right um I probably had it in the summer I was having it a lot more I'm trying to keep my diet a little bit better stay away from sweets but I probably had it like two weeks ago all right. Are you a dog person or a cat person? That's a tough question because everyone's, all, I've always been a kitten person, you know, people have done cats, but I've always just really loved cats. I think there's certain cats that are superior to other cats. Um, <laughs> but ultimately when it comes down to it, I think I am a dog person. You know, I, I need a dog. I need a, that start to my life, you know, before I can, before I have a kid, I'd love to have a dog to see how the parenting world works. I thought you were going cat. I See, this is week four. You would have been the first person to say cat. And what you just did was the equivalent of like when people make their, uh, their announcement on where they're going to go to college and they reach for the hat and yeah, then fake it out. Right. That's exactly what you just did. I really did do that. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's good. But Hey, you settled on dog. Are you, is like final answer? answer is it dog i think it has to be dog okay. honestly all right we're four weeks in so far all four people have said dog so. you're only allowed to subscribe to one streaming service which one are you subscribing to i think you just got to go with netflix to be honest i think there's netflix or hbo there's a lot of great shows on both but i don't know isaiah banya said netflix keaton yeah. said hbo so okay. you're in good company. Like it, like that's those are the two that have been mentioned the most. Choices. I just think Netflix has got more of a variety, and you know, new stuff come up every every day. And okay, HBO you're gonna go shows Netflix. are a little vulgar and graphic, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one, and I kind of asked you this a little different way, uh, but we'll end with this. What does being a part of BYU's first P5 season in the Big 12 mean to you? It means a lot because you know, thinking six months, six years. Um, 60 years in the future this is going to be you know the year that they talk about for a long time for for good or for worse so I think it's it's unique that we're we're the ones to be able to determine how this season plays out and determine how people want to remember our first year in the Big 12 so I think you know it's really exciting um, it's a big big reason why I came back for my sixth year it's great to be a part of this and see what we were able to do so far I'm excited going forward
Thanks again to Cougar linebacker Max Tooley. Coming up next, our weekly trip through the conference in the Big 12 Blitz. You're tuned into Mountain America Credit Union. Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar pregame live. Brought to you by Mountain America. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time now for the Big 12 Blitz. And Hans, right now, only two conference, well, three conference teams are in action, but only two games featuring a Big 12 team. Uh, and one, I know Cougar fans will be paying close attention to today because Cincinnati is involved. They are hosting number 16, Oklahoma. And right now, Bearcats have only been able to muster three points, but it's not like Oklahoma's running away with it. It's 10-7 Sooners uh, with about 13 minutes to go in the third. Well, it's interesting because BYU fans are about to get a taste of Jalen Daniels. When you get to Oklahoma, you're going to get a taste of Dylan Gabriel. He's the quarterback for Oklahoma, and he's really solid. He's a great quarterback. He's already got 240 yards through the first half of that game. So he can put it up through the air. They're just not able to really get anything going on the ground. And right now, Oklahoma gave up a fumble. Uh, they've given up a couple turnovers in this game. So they uh, they need to pick it up, just secure the ball a little bit. But I can't wait for BYU fans to get to see Dylan Gabriel as well. 10-3 is the score in the third quarter. Uh, Oklahoma with the lead. The other... Big 12 team in action. It's a non-conference matchup, but TCU right now has a 10-point advantage over SMU, soon to be in the ACC because that makes total sense, right? They're in the third quarter, and I mentioned 20-10. Uh, to 10, TCU is, uh, is in the lead. I don't know what to make of TCU so far this year. Well, they're trying to lick their wounds after Neon Deion Sanders did what he did to them in front of the entire college football world going out and beating them 45-42. It was a really good game. It was entertaining, but that wasn't the TCU defense they expected to have, and it's not the TCU defense that we saw last year. So, Shep, I think they're just trying to lick their wounds and figure out who they are again because that was a pretty rough start. They went out and whipped Nickel State, probably didn't figure out really anything last week, and now they're just trying to put something up against SMU. I know that they did get a conference win, um, was it last week or was it two weeks ago? I think it was just last week that they played Houston. I think it was two weeks ago that they played Nickel State. But they did get a nice conference win against Houston and looked pretty good there. It's just they set a standard last year. Yeah. So everybody's looking at TCU like, okay, well, can is there an act two in the conference? Even though Kansas State went out and won the conference, TCU is expected to be good. And I still think they're really good. I just think Cincinnati's putting up a fight right now. Texas Tech and West Virginia will play a little bit later on. And I, I think most people, if you were to say, hey, one of these teams is going to be 2-1 and one, and one will be 1-2, and two, everybody would assume the 2-1 and one team is Texas Tech, but it's not. It's the Mountaineers. So that's your matchup uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on uh, in a game that I guess somebody has to win, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. So one of those two teams will get the victory today. Houston will face Sam Houston. So uh, obviously uh, BYU knows all about uh, Sam Houston. Uh, number three, Texas at Baylor. Um, that one could get ugly. And here's one that's uh, taking place about an hour from here in Manhattan, Kansas. K-State and UCF. 
that is one I'm pretty interested to see how it plays out because K-State's coming off a an upset loss uh, at Missouri last weekend, and UCF is kind of is, is riding high. They're 3-0, and and they were one of the ones of the four teams coming in. They were the one that was picked to, to probably have the best chance of doing something. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to that Texas Tech team that you were talking about because I still have my eyes on them. I really I'm, I'm watching them really close. They went toe-to-toe with Oregon and nearly got a win against Oregon and showed a lot better than the first week. Remember that Wyoming loss Yeah, really put them behind the eight ball. They were up 17 nothing in that game. They were, and then they ended up losing it, and I think that they lost a lot of, bit, uh, or a lot of confidence from their fan base and a lot of the Big 12 voters. But they go toe-to-toe with Oregon. They beat Tarleton State handedly. And this matchup against West Virginia is going to show us a lot. I think it's going to show us a lot about the conference. I just don't want to underestimate Texas Tech at this point based off of their non-conference opponents because I had them circled as one of the top three, maybe top four Big 12 contenders of this year. I'm with you. I'm not writing off Texas Tech right now. I, I, they're too talented of a team to to not figure things out. So I, you and I are on the same page with the Red Raiders, and obviously they will be coming to Provo to take on the BYU Cougars. Right, coming up next, we will visit with The Voice. Greg Rubel back into the press box after speaking with Kalani Satake. We'll talk to him when we come back. Mountain America Credit Union Cougar Pregame Live continues next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Coming to you live from David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas. It is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. And happy to be joined by the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, welcome back up to the uh, broadcast booth. Yeah, thank you, Jason. And, uh... We welcome our listening audience once again to beautiful Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, the drive into Lawrence was interesting this morning. Pretty fair. You already talked about it with hands on the. Well, we talked about the weather. We have not talked about the uh, the knuckles probably on the. Yeah, no, we, in, we, right? we drove through the uh, mother of all morning thunderstorms uh, from Overland Park to Lawrence. Uh, the skies got black, and the hail got heavy, and the lightning was cracking, and it was uh, it was wild there. From we saw we saw something drop out of the clouds. Uh, something a funnel was trying to form. It kind of wanted to be a tornado, and then it kind of blew away and dissipated. But there was some stuff going on. Uh, at one point, Jake Murphy said, "We got cows." I was like, oh. "Twister, I like it. Well done." <laughs> what? What's so, going on? So we are hoping through all of that that the that the wildest weather is past us, and uh, right now we'll we'll call it overcast. But the forecast doesn't call for anything but drizzle later on this evening. So, uh, but it was a crazy stormy morning here in America's heartland, and uh, we hope that it holds so we can get uh, a full day of football in without any kind of delay. And here's the way hands is. Okay, so uh, we're, we're, we're driving through the storminess and the rain and the wild weather, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope, I hope, this, I hope we don't have a weather delay. And hands is like, oh, that'd be great. We could talk. We could talk some more, and I could learn more about you. And <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, he was, uh, he was just, he was like, wait, three or four more hours? Let's go. So uh, that, that, that's, kind of, that, that, that's kind of the mind of Hans Olsen right there. I would love it. Love good conversation and yeah. 
Just sitting here talking football with and my there's buddies. no doubt we would make it where I mean it, oh, yeah. it would be good radio. Yes. No doubt about that. But this is it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh, a delay. Hans is like, bring it on. Let's go. Okay, so normally, Greg, the first question that I ask is personnel related. We will certainly get to that. Before we get to that, though, I want to ask you, as someone who has been in this position for, for a long time, you've had the opportunity to call a lot of BYU football games. What does a day like today mean to you? I think you, I think you said it uh, at the start of the broadcast. It's one of those days you'll always remember. You remember the firsts of things. And BYU, you know, there have been so many firsts in, in the last year plus. You know, since BYU was announced as, as an incoming Big 12 member, you know, when, when, when a schedule gets released and it's got your name on it, that's an important thing. Uh, when, uh, you know, of course, July 1st was its own kind of special when you're officially now in the league. And then, uh, you know, your first game of, of, of the season, whether it's soccer, volleyball, football, with a, with a Big 12 patch on your jersey, that's special. But this is a conference game, and it's the first time since, uh, you know, late in 2010. It's been almost 13 years since BYU played a game that matters in standings, matters in standings. The funny thing is the last time BYU played a conference game, Kalani and, and Jay were on the Utah side right. of the field coaching against BYU in that wild game that uh, Utah won. I think final score was 17-16 in Salt Lake City. No conference games for BYU since that day almost 13 years ago. And here we are again where the games really uh, begin to matter in a different way again. And I, I just, it's just special. I think we'll always remember this view we get, uh, this, this, this beautiful stadium. It's an old-school stadium, and it's due for renovation. They're going to they're gonna start the, uh, the, the breaking down and the rebuilding here after the season ends. But, you know, a, a lot of trees surround the venue, and, and they're green now. But you can see the hints of yellow starting to come in, and what a beautiful autumn view this would be. And, uh, and tailgate activities, and, again, the walk to the game is fun. You're interacting with fans from both teams. Teams. I just I just love college football Saturdays and and they just mean something a little more special now that you're in a league because these people that are greeting you you know are, are going to be your friendly rivals now for for years to come and that's a cool thing. So I got to add on that with Greg what Greg's talking about as a player I know that if I get the first sack in Big 12 play Greg Rebell's probably going to mention it down the line at some point. I know that if I get 120 yards in the Big 12 opening game between BYU and Kansas at some point, my name is going to get mentioned. I know these things because I was a part of the first game that the Utah Blaze played. And I remember thinking, I want to get my name in the stat books because I want to be the first sack, which I was. I want to be the first this and that and get all the attention I can. So even the players know that all eyes are on them for their Big 12 opener. This is BYU introducing themselves into Big 12 play. And the three of us, and we throw on Mitch, we throw, we throw all these players out there. We watch this. This will be folklore. This will be talked about. We'll talk about, man, this Big 12 game and how it all went down and who showed up to play big. Hey, the other part about this is from a sort of a peek behind the curtain, my, my role as the studio host, I, I don't travel for road games. I do my stuff back in our BYU radio studios. I'm here today. There was not a chance in the world I was missing this game today for it being the first. Not a chance in the world. So excited. All right. Are the Chiefs at home, though? The Chiefs are at home. We, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't get me started on that because we were going to go, and now we can't. So, <laughs> so don't even get me started. Oh, got it. Uh, so, Greg, there are some personnel things to discuss. You talked with head coach Kalani Sataka. You've tweeted some of those out. Yeah. What can you update us on? 
Well, uh, the, the safety spot's been so hard hit. You know, Jay Hill's first year as a defensive coordinator has been a success, but he's also the safeties coach, and he has had to go deep into his into his room to keep safeties on the field for BYU. Think about it. Uh, when the season began, uh, Micah Harper and Malik Moore were going to be the, the dynamic duo at safety. Well, Micah Harper, as we know, uh, injured to in a season-ending injury, so Talon Alfrey stepped in. Then Talon Alfrey goes out. Now, Alfrey's still weeks away from getting back, but he should get back this season. So, so you're down two-year top three, and then Malik Moore gets kind of passed up on the depth chart a little bit for his position, uh, and, and now you're down to, to Tanner Wall and Ethan Slade. Crew Wakely, who got the start last week, was injured on play one or play two. Might have been the first play of the game that he goes out, uh, but has cleared protocols and will be available today. May not start today. I'd look for Slade and Wall to start at safety with, with Wakely backing up. But you're talking about starting your first Big 12 game with walk-ons at the safety spot, at both safety spots. Um, that's not, you know, the game plan, but it's the plan right now. And, and uh, Jay Hill said, we have no choice. We have what we have, and, and yet he trusts these guys, and that's where coaching up comes into play, and, and uh, so they get the start at the safety positions. Uh, Cody Epps, is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game-to-game, week-to-week thing. Is he in? Is he out? And Kalani in pregame said, kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll make him game time again. We'll throw him out there to see how he looks. But I don't know that, that Cody's had back-to-back good weeks of work yet. You know, and, and so he remains a question mark. And when will the season really begin for Cody? He got a look last week, dropped a, dropped a pass, uh, was a decoy on a, on a jet sweep. But uh, I mean, a guy that was so flashy last year uh, has not been a factor yet for BYU. The fact that BYU is 3-0 and without anything from Cody Epps, with only three catches from Keanu Hill, that's, a, that, that, that's kind of a storyline of this season. Uh, so that's kind of a personnel notes, what you're looking at. Uh, Aiden Robbins, we should note, did not travel. Now, he he gave the starting spot up to L.J. Martin last week. But uh, I think Miles Davis gets elevated as Aiden Robbins, who's been banged up, did not travel. Speaking of that note, and Kalani brings it up in the pregame, Big 12 means you have roster limits for travel. And there were no limits in independence. You could travel who you wanted to. As an independent, you're down to 70. You can travel 70. So that number uh, leaves a few guys at home. And Aiden, who was already banged up, did not travel. He'll be back home and miss this one. So look for Miles Davis to find himself in the mix. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Braden Kime uh, were to get the nod at, uh, at right tackle today. Uh, Caleb Etienne has not been an every-down guy. We've seen Kime play a lot more. And so this could be a rotation for a while where we see who's the hot hand at right tackle, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Braden Kime gets the nod at right tackle opposite Suamata'i at the other tackle with uh, Lapuahu, Maile, and Pei filling out the offensive line inside. Should be an exciting afternoon, guys. Uh, great stuff as always, so we'll let you go. We'll let uh, both of you go get another broad if you want it. <laughs> Thank you, Shep. All right, there we go. It's Hans Olsen and Greg Rubel. Mitchell Jurgens will join me. Well, how about coming up in about 10 seconds? This is the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Looking for no weather today. How you doing, Mitch? Great. It's, uh, I mean, it's hard not to be amped up for uh, a game when you walk in with Hans Olsen, and he's, uh, he's high-fiving every single person he can see in a <laughs> BYU shirt. Uh, so you just follow suit, and it gets you just ready to go for a, for a Big 12 game. Well, all right. As a former player, what would a game like today mean to you? I mean, would you be putting extra pressure on yourself to get this one, knowing it's the first ever Big 12 game? Or is, is this – do you not even think about that? Because you're just – you're in the moment. Yeah, as as a player, I don't think I'm putting extra pressure on myself. And I, I don't know if these, these guys are too, but that doesn't diminish what this opportunity is for these players. They know what's at stake, right? This is the first game – um, a first Big 12 matchup. 
uh, for these BYU Cougars. So they definitely want to make a statement. I, you know, overheard, uh, you know, Greg and Hans talking about the experiences, you know, with this first game. Um, everybody's going to remember it, and you want to make a statement. And, and I guarantee you, I mean, if I had the opportunity to, to, to pad up and, and do something, you, you do. You want to make your statement, um, leave, uh, you know, your legacy on the stat sheet for that first Big 12 game, which I'm sure, you know, these players are feeling. Um, but it's just it's such an incredible opportunity because now, I mean, you're playing for something that really, really matters, right? This is a title, and it starts today. These first three games gave us a little teaser of what BYU can do, but right now it matters. And um, and as we've seen across the Big 12, I mean, it's up for grabs. Yeah. Um, and, and teams look beatable, and so BYU can make a statement to prove, like, hey, we're a Big 12 contender, and it starts today. All right, as a former receiver, I want you to put on your uh, evaluation uh, cap and evaluate the receivers for me through three games. What have you like? What improvements do you want to see? What's, what's been your overall take? Yeah, these these receivers have been um, they've been productive and, and really really good in moments um, and, and, and a lot of moments. I mean, they've been I think they've been a staple mark and it's been very surprising. Uh, some of the catches that we've seen. I mean, we saw two just incredible catches last week. I'll include Isaac Rex in that in that receiver group. Right, he's a he's a pass catcher. Um, and and some rising stars that we weren't uh, that we didn't really know would make an impact. Parker Kingston, Darius Lasseter, Keelan Marion. Um, he even had a, you know Marion had a big play last week. And so um, I, I think there's there's a lot to talk about. A lot of good from these receivers. Um, you talk about improvements though, and and one of the things I want to see these receivers do is I, I want to see them get more physical in the receiving game. Um, we've seen uh, the the impact that they're already making. I, I love the physicality they bring. Uh, in the run game, they're downfield blocking. They're they're creating a lot of big plays and explosive plays on the edge because of their uh, physicality in the blocking scheme. But I, I'm not seeing as many 50-50 contested catches go in BYU's favor. Um, and and especially last week against Arkansas, this is a really fast. Um, that was a fast team. Um, those DBs were really experienced. Um, they blanketed those receivers pretty intensely, and I didn't see a lot of separation being created. And so from these receivers, I want to see them more more aggressive, more physical at the line of scrimmage, um, more sharp within their breaks so that they can create that separation. Keen Slovis, it makes the quarterback's job a lot harder when you're trying to throw to guys and, and they're they're not creating a lot of separation. Um, so that that's something that I do hope to see continue to improve throughout the season. Um, again, a lot of bright spots, but uh, I want to see some more physicality, some more speed, some more aggression out of those breaks, and then continuing to work back towards the ball through the catch because, again, this is Big 12 play, and, and you're going to have – I mean, you got to be buttoned up in every aspect. Hey, to quote the, uh, the, the great Dan Hawkins, this is Big 12 football, right? I don't know if you've heard that, but uh, back in the, back in the day, sports radio, old school sports radio, we used to play that cut all the time. Um, it's an oversimplification to say that oh well, dual threat quarterback this week. It's the same game plan as last week's dual threat quarterback in in KJ Jefferson. Again, oversimplification. I guess my question to do to you is how similar of a defensive game plan do you expect with a a a, a similar type quarterback last week versus this week with Jalen Daniels. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I think it I think it can be similar, um, but to answer, I, I really don't know. Um, and, and and I think that goes to you know Jay Hill. He's 
he's we've seen enough in the first couple of games that um, he's going to throw a wrinkle out there to ensure that he's putting that BYU defense in a position to defend Jalen Daniels as best as they possibly can. Um, I, I think a lot of that, too, to your answer or to, the, to answer your question, it's going to depend on the health of Jalen Daniels. Um, we did see, I mean, he, he injured his arm last week. Yes, he returned. Um, but how healthy is he going to be? And are there potential vulnerabilities or weak spots that BYU can um, can capitalize on because maybe he's not 100% healthy in a specific area. Um, so I think that's going to depend, and I'm sure the coaches are going to watch that. Uh, one thing that I do imagine will stay very consistent um, is just the aggression and pressure that BYU is going to bring. However, as they stay more aggressive and bring pressure to in today's game, they've got to stay in their lanes, especially those edge rushers. Um, you know, a quarterback... Um, like Jalen Daniels, he's going to make your defense pay if, if players start to get out of their lanes trying to do too much. Um, you got to do a really good job at containing him. And so I, 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 w- I definitely um, expect to see the pressure continue to be brought. Um, I just hope they do it in a very disciplined manner because they're going to need it against a guy like Jalen Daniels. All right, let's take it one step further. Last thing for you. Give me a couple of keys to a BYU victory today here in Lawrence. Yeah, the, the number one thing that I'll say is uh, time of possession. Um, and, and, and I'll... I'll talk to two points on both sides of the ball number one the BYU offense they need to sustain drives to keep the BYU defense off the field Uh, we know how prolific and efficient this uh, Kansas offense is um, and they know how to sustain drives and so if if, um, the BYU offense they run into you know multiple three and outs that's going to create not the best formula for success for the BYU defense because they're going to be on the field very very consistently Um, you go to the 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 defensive side of the ball and again they need to somehow force kansas off the field Um, it's been talked about in the broadcast but kansas has only punted four times Um, they're an incredible team that converts on third down and so if the defense can figure out how to get them off the field flip the time of possession in favor to byu um, i think byu's got a good chance Um, second thing byu's got to establish the run you know we're three games in and that's still a question mark in a game like today I, i i expect um, that your you know, odds of, of uh, having a, a solid game, putting points on the board, you've got to have a balanced attack. Want to see them really control the, the, the ground game, get the offense going behind um, the run game uh, to take advantage of, of some potential deep um, matchups or vulnerabilities that Keaton can take advantage of. Um, assuming you can establish the run. So um, those are kind of the two things that I want to see. And then I'll say this every game, win the turnover margin and yep. have explosive plays. We've, we saw it last week against Arkansas. Yes, they didn't load up the stat sheet, but it was explosive plays and winning the turnover margin that kept them in the game and gave them an opportunity to come away with a victory. Love it. Great stuff as always, Mitch. We'll let you get uh, down to the sideline. And remember, if you hear tornado sirens, take cover. Okay? <laughs> Will do, Jason. All right. There we go. That's Mitchell Jurgens. Hey, as somebody who, who spent his uh, elementary years in this area, when you the tornado sirens that they will test once a month, it's, it's pretty freaky. I'm not going to lie. But again, the weather we are hoping should, should cooperate for most of the game. All right, on the other side, my conversation with Kansas head coach Lance Leipold, including him addressing his comments earlier in the week regarding BYU's age. That's next on Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tune to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
Now, back to Jason Shepard. Getting ready for BYU and Kansas, the Cougars' first ever Big 12 game coming your way shortly. Now, earlier this week, I was able to talk with the head coach of the Jayhawks, Lance Leipold. Coach is in his third season here in Lawrence, and he has been a winner wherever he's been. He's got the Jayhawks going in the right direction with another good start to the season. I asked him how he views his team's 3-0 record. You know, for a program like ours that hasn't had a lot of success over the last decade plus, wins are, are good wins uh, at any time. Uh, last week probably wasn't as clean as we had hoped, um, but going on the road and doing those things, you got to find a way to persevere, and we did that. Uh, I thought our Illinois win was some of our best football we've played since we've been here. So I think we've taken some nice steps, but uh, as we know, uh, not just because it's a conference game, but um, who our opponent is and, and the success that they've had so far this year. This is our biggest test to date. You can't think of Kansas football right now without thinking of your quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Man, what a dynamic player he is. I, I've watched all three of your games, and obviously after missing the season opener, he has mm-hmm. looked as dynamic as expected. You see him every day. What impresses you most about him? I, I think the thing that impresses me is his demeanor of, of uh, you know, he's a level-headed guy who plays the game with excitement um, and how others rally around him. He's battled through a lot of different injuries and bumps and bruises along the way, and his disposition stays the same. And I, I think that is really special and something that we all learn from. There's a pretty cool story with the Lassiter brothers getting to face each other in this game. And obviously with the history and the Lassiter family, with the dad, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that their dad played in this game the only time these two teams have faced each other before <laughs> in 92. I mean, it's crazy. Beyond yeah. all the X's and O's and the outcome, it's cool that there are opportunities in sports where families like the Lassiters can have memories like this, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't, I wasn't even aware of that. And that, that's probably our, our communication staff does such a great job throwing statistical information at me. And I missed that one along the way. But um, I know Darius hasn't been there a, a long time with all of you, but I'm sure you're seeing that that is a special family, first of all. They are they are really Kwame Lasseter II. When I got the job, he he pretty much put it out there to me about the, how passionate he was about Kansas and Kansas football and helping us get it going, but the unselfishness. Quentin, I asked him to redshirt after a few games our first year. Unselfishly, he he uh, he says yes. You know, Darius was at game stuff. It's unfortunate that, you know, we were we were over scholarshiped almost at our receiver spot that we really couldn't uh, try to bring bring another Lassiter in here. And to see him and watching him, especially that Southern Utah game, I thought he played really, really well and, and, and impressive. We saw some of his film from Eastern Michigan. We know that staff well. But as you say, to, to, to have a family and, and a quality family like that and have the brothers, and, and as you alluded to then too, the, the previous matchup is neat. I asked Quentin today at, at our practice, I said, so where's mom sitting? And uh, he <laughs> He pointed to each end zone and he said, probably in the middle on, on one of these spots. So, and uh, I think she's going to have one of those special shirts, half and half and everything made up. So it, I'm sure it'll be a special, special day for that family. What stands out to you about this BYU team coming off a really impressive road win against an SEC team? What do you see when you look at the Cougars? Yeah, you know, well-coached team, uh, physical at, at, in, in the trenches. You, you can see the influence you know, of coach there and stuff and what he, what he brings in, in into the mentality of the team. I, I think the poise of, in, of getting down two scores 
at an SEC school at their place and the sign that they were not, uh, that wasn't going to let them affect them, keep battling. You know, I went back through and watched the TV copy and to watch the discipline that they played with, especially in the fourth quarter. And uh, the penalty game really was in their favor. Um, And and that was part of that poison discipline that I kind of spoke about even last earlier in the week is because when the stadium was getting, when the game was tight and plays were being made, they were the ones that didn't jump off sides. They, They didn't hold, they didn't have those things. And that calmness of what they've been able to do, you know, really shined out. Um, experienced quarterback again you could see somebody that you know we're proud and pleased with with Jalen and and Jason Bean as well as the backup to have a starting quarterback that has over 35 career starts is is something that every coach would dream about whether or not they're all in your program or not he has seen a lot he's been through a lot and and again that plays dividends when when once somebody's really comfortable they strive for balance um, offensively, which you got to defend them in every facet and you got to be physical and tackle well. And the aggressiveness in which they've played special teams, try to try to fake punt, try to fake field goal, block to punt. I told our team this morning, again, I don't know if I've ever seen a team do all three of those, whether successful or not, in the first three games of the season and do those things. So you can see that uh, you we're going to have to be sound in all three phases. All right, Coach, before we wrap things up, I do want to ask you one more thing. You'd made some comments earlier in the week, and for BYU fans hearing the age and the maturity uh, comments from opposing coaches sometimes rubs them the wrong way. You wanted to take a second to talk to BYU and the fans that you meant no ill will with the comments. No, it it was, uh, to me, it was one of respect. I always, uh, you know, I kind of look at it different ways, but as as my – direct messaging and other things filled up a little more than usual. Uh, I had some people kind of say something to me about it. Um, it yeah, I'm, I viewed it as something, and and I haven't had a lot of experience with with, with players of the Mormon faith of, of going on missions. I was a graduate assistant at the University of Wisconsin 30-some years ago. Daryl Bevel was our quarterback, and when he came back, you know, he was out of shape and hadn't, and was, hadn't been in a weight room. But there was other things that were positives that, that I looked at, and I know Barry Alvarez did, as well as you know he could handle the you know he he viewed a day a lot different than a college student does you know those those grueling three classes today and things like that you know also I looked at our roster a couple years ago and and you know we were the youngest power five football team and I look at the things that I dealt with as a head coach then about punctuality and other maybe signs of immaturity versus we do now and to have a roster of of some players that are a little bit older have gone through some different things, possibly are married and 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 are, have to have to balance that life in a quality way as well is different and can be and can be a positive. It's not looked at as a, a high advantage or anything, but I, I I do look at it as if I had my druthers of having a roster of 22 year olds versus 18 year olds, I, I know which way I would go, and I kind of used it that way. But uh, I think it kind of goes back to your earlier question about what do I think of their team. I, I think part of that in, in my in my comments and review of the Arkansas game is some of those that maturity and poise paid off for them in such a great way. And that's a sign of respect and hopefully not viewed as one as disrespect. And if I offended anyone in the fan base or within the halls of, of the program, I, I apologize. Coach, we appreciate it. Your class act. Thank you so much. Well, safe travels, and uh, uh, again, welcome to Kansas and Lawrence, Kansas.
That was the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, Lance Leipold. Back with one more segment of Cougar Pregame Live when we return to Lawrence on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tune to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. All right, before we wrap things up, let's update you on the two Big 12 games going on. Cincinnati hosting number 16, Oklahoma, fourth quarter action, action Sooners all over the Bearcats. It is 26 in favor of Oklahoma, 20 to 6. And also, TCU out of conference, but playing right now at home, hosting SMU. The Horned Frogs with a 17-point advantage over SMU. It is 27-10 in favor of TCU. Six and a half minutes to go in that one. All right, coming up next is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. This is the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Good afternoon, Cougar football fans, and welcome inside David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas, as today a new era of BYU football kicks off. For the first time in 13 years, BYU plays a conference game. But for the first time ever, BYU competes in league play as a power conference member. It is BYU and the University of Kansas in a sold-out stadium with a lot of blue. It's Kansas Blue and BYU Royal, two teams off to 3-0 starts to the season, with BYU playing for an eighth straight win dating back to last season. And KU looking to go 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time in more than a century. I'm Greg Rubel. I'll have your play-by-play call today. I'm joined in our broadcast booth by the big man, former BYU and pro lineman Hans Olsen, and both BYU and Kansas got here in similar fashions when it comes down to it uh, both teams have wins over an fcs team a lower tier fbs team and a p5 program in getting to 3-0 kansas has been the more explosive and productive team byu has been though opportunistic uh, opportunistic and consistently on the winning side of the turnover and field position battles ku's defense is among the national leaders in tackles for loss byu's defense is among the tops enforcing turnovers and getting off the field on third down. Hands, it is a compelling setup that kicks off the Cougs' Big 12 tenure. It's so college football. Everything about this is college football. We're talking about throwbacks, old schools. You come back into this stadium, and it's definitely a throwback. Good old tough-nosed football. We got the bounce houses just out across the way. I feel like jumping in there, getting some of my wiggles, my wiggles out. It's just exciting across the board. And you talked about the two teams that are coming in, Greg. It couldn't have been better. They've all taken care of business. 6-0 and between the two of them. And you've got big wins against Illinois. You know, that Illinois game was really special for Kansas. They were up 28-7 to at the half. That was their best half of football that they've played so far this season. They had a really 
big back-and-forth game against Nevada on the road last week. But Kansas is showing their wares. We know what they're all about. And then, of course, BYU, they got it all out against Arkansas on the road in SEC territory. So these are two gigantic matchups to kick things off in the Big 12. That's Hans Olsen. After this break, the pregame thoughts of BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. As the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues for 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. My pregame interview with the coach Kalani coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Once again, here's Greg Rubel. One week ago, the Cougars were in SEC territory and picked up a big comeback win over previously undefeated Arkansas. Today, BYU in Big 12 country to take on undefeated Kansas. 3-0 Cougs taking on the 3-0 Jayhawks in their second all-time meeting, their first ever here in Lawrence. The only previous get-together came in Honolulu. It was the Aloha Bowl on Christmas Day, 1992. Jayhawks won that by a score of 23-20 on Christmas Day. Now 31 years later, the Cougars seek to square the series in their Big 12 opener. Time now for my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. It is brought to you by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. And today, Coach Sitake talks about the excitement of playing a game that will count in the conference standings for the first time in 13 years. Yeah, especially for what we're trying to accomplish, and, and we're, we're really excited about being in the Big 12 and our partnership with them being being affiliated with the conference. But now it's like we want to represent and do, do our part, and I think everybody in the Big 12 is, is, is vying for a championship, so you can't get there unless you get game one. So that's what we're trying to do, both us and Kansas, and uh, that makes it a little bit more intriguing, more interesting to the game. What have you seen from the league in the first few weeks of football in this conference? Yeah, there's just a there, – there's – great football all over the place and in the league it's just a I think you you see how teams are going through the first three games of trying to feel their way and trying to get better and I feel really good about the progress we're making um, obviously there's teams out there that will say they're not played their best yet and there's teams that probably have peaked and played their best and trying to maintain and, and keep that 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 type of um, of performance for us we're still not there yet so but what I do like is that we're getting better every week and so I, I really look forward to us improving from week three to week four and we'll see if it goes if we can put it all to work playing conference football is a different deal we talked off the air before our interview about one of the things that comes into play in roster sizes travel sizes mm-hmm. you haven't been dealing with that as an independent and you are now yeah an independent there was really no rules it's just what fits the budget and so now going from as many as we could take can participate now to 70 i think i think it's uh it's what we're used to it's what i'm used to what all the coaches are used to we're just not used to it being an independent but now um they want to keep the numbers down to a certain number which is 70 and that's we're okay with that we can make it work and now it's, it's just those roster spots of travelers are, are getting really really it comes down to okay who can you take who can you go, can go who's available to, to perform and who's not and so we're in a different place now but i actually like where we're at everybody that's here focus on being on the field focus on playing maybe hit a couple of personnel notes we saw crew wakely at safety go out early in last week's game but he's made it back to be available yeah he cleared all the protocol and and, and um you know he we wanted to he went through some testing we want to see him strike and, and hit this week and he did that uh he cleared everything so he's he's available and ready to roll 
Uh, on offense, we saw Cody Epps get back on the field uh, last week with a maybe a week-to-week thing with him. Yeah, I, it was nice to see him on the field last week. And going through the week of this practice, we'll have to see what, what happens in the pregame. And, and uh, if, he feels, if we feel comfortable with the trainers and sports scientists, everyone feel comfortable with his performance going into this game. We'll, we'll have to see. It, it's a, it's a uh, game game time decision basically for us how are your numbers at running back right now yeah um you know we, we we've had to uh, make an adjustment Aiden won't be available for the game t- uh, tonight uh, today and um he's been battling some some uh, uh just not being 100 percent since fall camp and so uh we want to get him healthy and get him ready to go and i think the the extra time of of, of rest will allow him to get there and then when when he's ready to go and at full speed i think we'll we'll be able to add to to our group of talented running backs Okay. Uh, this Kansas Jayhawks team, they, they like you, come in uh, 3-0, and and they feature the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year at quarterback in Jalen Daniels. Yeah, great, great talent, and uh, that, that's throughout the whole team, but offensively they get a lot of attention because Jalen is the guy that, that's a preseason uh, offensive player of the year, and so we can see that he's got tons of talent. He can throw, he can run, he can do it all. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough task, but I think Jay and the group are ready to, to – to go against them, and we'll see. I mean, uh, they, 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 there's not a lot of weaknesses. I've said that before on, on this uh, on this team, and then offensively, they have tons of returning talent, a lot of experienced players, and it all starts with him. But you can look throughout the whole roster; they have some really good players. Their top two running backs, Neil and Highshaw, each averaging seven plus yards per carry right now. Yeah, and, and Neil's returning with. I mean, he's had over a thousand yards last year and, and high shots there's not a lot of difference in when they when they interchange so uh they, they have a really nice system working and we're gonna have to find every way we can to disrupt it but uh i think handling the run game will be key for us and, and for our our off our defense to have success a word about the kansas defense what they show you yeah again there's not a lot of weaknesses they don't get a lot of attention which i think is okay with them you know and i like the way they play assignment sound technique wise that they handle their technique really well you don't see a lot of mistakes on their on their defense and uh, it's going to be a great ch- challenge for our offense but i think a rod the group are ready to roll uh, we've had a great week of preparation but uh, this will be a good measurement for us in going to this conference their nevada game last week maybe a little more of a challenge than even they might thought they would get going into reno uh what you think kansas might uh be maybe how they might respond to that effort last week well i think every every week is different i mean you, you if you if you could just match it up and say this is how it's supposed to go, then there wouldn't be so much interest in the games. And um, I think you have to give a lot of credit for what Nevada was able to do by having them visit, uh, the energy that they brought, and, and there's some really cool things that they did on defense, offense, and special teams that I think would be helpful for us. But uh, when it all comes down to it, it's about the matchups and and how do you match up against them? We're a different team than Nevada, and I think they'll be a different team than they were against. Uh, Nevada when they played last week and we'll, we'll we're planning for their best shot we just got to make sure that we give them ours how close is this BYU team to being what you hope it turns out to by the end of the season we're training the right way and, and obviously I I'm not very patient so I want us to get better from week three to week four and I've, I've seen a lot of the improvements in practice just want to put it together and put it on, on film and put it on the field and put it in, in front of our fans and that's that's what we're hoping to get done today. I'll, I'll have more for you, more info, info for you in, at post game. But I, I feel good about the way we're trending and looking forward to this game. And you'll have your fans in the stands. A lot of blue today, Kansas blue and BYU blue, because the building is sold out for this one. Yeah, and just looking forward to the experience. I mean, this is awesome. We were part of a wonderful conference with great teams and, 
win. It's a, what a cool experience to be here in Lawrence, Kansas, and to see their fans. And I want our guys to just feel the environment and take it all in, um, make some memories. Let's make some good ones for us, and let's see what happens at the end. Kalani, thank you as always. Have a great day. We'll talk to you post game. Appreciate it. Great. Go Cougs. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, and this has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. Time now for today's Ford Keys to the game. They're presented by your local Ford stores. BYU football built Ford proud. Hans Olsen has the keys to today's game. Hans, take it away. All right, so let's start things out by wrapping up and securing your tackles on Devin Neal and Highshaw, the two running backs. It's really important. You go back and watch that Nevada game, and I'm telling you, there were more broken tackles than there were slot machines in Nevada. It was bad. Nevada just could not wrap up on them. And because you can't wrap up, they get the extra yards. Because they get the extra yards, you see their third down conversion rate skyrocket. These guys break tackles. So if you're Max Tooley, if you're Bywater, if you're Von Pachon, make sure you're wrapping up. Do not allow them to shake you off that tackle. Number two, BYU wide receivers have got to get separation. They've got to be able to extend a gap from their defender. They've got to be able to give Slovis just a little bit more open target. There were too many times that the Arkansas corners would come right over the top of those BYU wide receivers and bat that ball down, Greg. You saw it multiple times. I saw it multiple times. Kansas has got some tight corners, so they're going to play tight. BYU's wide receivers have to get separation. Come back to the football. Fight back to the football. Do everything you can to win that one-on-one with your corner and give Slovis just a little bit more room to throw it. Number three, Greg's talked about this throughout the week. I've talked about it throughout the week. Kansas is 22 of 35 on third-down conversion attempts. That's 63%. That's number three in the entire country in converting on third downs. BYU's given up 12 of 43 on third down conversions. That's less than 28%. That makes them the 14th best third down defense in the country. BYU has to get Kansas off the field. They've got to be able to stop Kansas's third down conversions. Why is Kansas so good in third down conversions? Because their first downs typically yield them five to seven yards to get them in second and short, and typically it's a third and short, and they convert on those third downs. BYU has to be incredible in their run-stop defense and make those third and long, third and seven, third and eight, third and 12 type conversion attempts for Kansas. Those are Hans Olsen's keys to the game. Coming up next, the Cougar kickoff show as BYU football coverage continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. We're getting closer to kickoff of BYU football. You're tuned to the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show. Ken Garf, we hear you. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's head live to the broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And let's pause 10 seconds just past the top of the hour by a little bit. Let's pause 10 seconds for station ID on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU-FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. 
Good afternoon once again, Cougar Nation. Welcoming you back inside David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. This 47,000-seat venue will be jam-packed for the Kansas Jayhawks and BYU Cougars in both teams' Big 12 conference opener. BYU has won its last seven games dating back to last year. KU has won its last seven games played in the month of September. One of those streaks will end a few hours from now. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show, presented by Ken Garf. Whatever your vehicle needs are, go to KenGarf.com. Ken Garf, we hear you. Greg Grubel and Hans Olsen with you, former BYU wide receiver Milton Jurgens on the sideline and in the Zions Bank end zone. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. Well, last week in Fayetteville, we found out a lot about this BYU team. At 2-0, they had won games they were supposed to win. But at Arkansas... The Cougars found themselves in a game it looked like they may not, or at least find themselves very hard to win. Down 14 points early, down double digits in the second half. BYU rallied in both instances, scored 21 straight in the first half. The final 17 in a row in the second half to rally and win at Razorback Stadium. Now, there may not be a direct correlation because every game takes on its own personality and the stakes will vary, but if BYU can go on the road into the heart of the SEC and win that kind of game, Who says BYU can't compete and contend in the Cougars' first season of Big 12 membership? BYU's already halfway to bowl eligibility, and now that looks like a minimum expectation for this season. Hans, it's going to be a lot of fun to see just how good this BYU team can be in 2023. I think about some of my early toys as a youngster. I think about the new toys. You know, you get a smartphone, like you get a new iPhone, and you're like, oh, what can this thing do? Oh, it sends messages. Oh, man, it downloads apps. Oh, I can play games. That's how I feel about this team. It's like, oh, okay, so they've got really good corners. Oh, my gosh, so the safety depth is there. Holy cow, so they don't have Aiden, but this LJ Martin is pretty interesting. I feel like I've got a new cell phone, and I'm just figuring it out. And every week I find some new app, some new thing to be excited about. This is a team that we didn't know a lot about. Just looking across the board, we didn't know Waylon Lapuayo, Paul Miley. We didn't know Caleb Etienne. We didn't know Keaton Slovis. We didn't really know Lassiter or Marion or Martin or Robbins. We didn't know on the defensive side, Heckard or Camden Garrett or Jackson Cravens or Isaiah Banya. We didn't know. And so we're just playing with this iPhone every week. And we're finding out all these new things. And so, Greg... My question is, how nice is this iPhone? How nice is it? Is it the new 17? Is it the things that all the kids are after? Because this might be a really, really good team. If they come out of Kansas with a win, I think it's safe to say that this is an excellent team. We'll see what features BYU can find and which apps they choose to download this afternoon. Time now for this week's E-Assist player to watch for BYU. It's brought to you by the E-Assist Dental Health Education Foundation, reminding you that dental cleanings are essential for your health. Hands, who is your BYU player to watch this afternoon? All right, so player to watch, I'm going to Ben Bywater. Ben Bywater has a heavy load to carry. Last week we saw him fall off. One of the first tackles I've seen him fall off on K.J. Jefferson. Now, K.J. Jefferson has that effect on a lot of people. But Ben Bywater has to be on the spot and on the money with his tackles. I talked about it being my number one key. Well, the number one tackler on this team is Ben Bywater. He's got to be on his spots. He's got to bring down these running backs. You cannot allow them to continue to break tackles. More of the Ken Garp Cougar kickoff show after this break. But first, a reminder to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Pre-game coverage from Lawrence continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and KU coming up, bottom of the hour on this first full day of play in the Big 12. Six games pitting conference foes. After 13 years of playing an independent schedule, the BYU Cougars can finally get back to scoreboard watching and checking league standings. It all starts this afternoon in Lawrence, a historically struggling program that is suddenly resurgent under head coach Lance Leipold and preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, Jalen Daniels. Last week it was K.J. Jefferson. This week it's Daniels. Jefferson's bigger, but Daniels is faster. And while Arkansas was without star running back Raheem Sanders, Kansas will have the one-two punch of Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw joining Daniels in the backfield. Neal, top 15 in rush yards per game, top among backs with 40 or more carries this season. He's top five, and he's also third in yards per rush at 7.6. Hyshaw, seven yards a tote. Daniels, 75% passer. This is the best offense BYU will have seen this season. Time now for today's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo. Your convenience and comfort will always be our highest priority. And BYU can feel very comfortable when rushing the passer with Tyler Batty. He's now BYU's active career leader in both tackles for loss with 21 and sacks with 12. He's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. After his career-high nine tackles at Arkansas, they included one-and-a-half sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Hands, we saw Tyler burst out of the scene back in 2020. He, has four, he had four sacks and only four games played that year. Now as a fourth-year junior, he's playing some of his best football and was responsible, I think as anyone, uh, for the win in Fayetteville on uh, last Saturday. He sure was. That final drive where Arkansas had a chance to go down the field, tie it up, and see if they could get themselves some overtime. Tyler Batty showed up big. I, I just, I go back to the Big 12 media days, had an opportunity to sit down with him for an extended interview, and we both kind of slumped down in our chairs after the interview and talked real casually about what this year meant to him. He wants to go hit the big leagues. He wants to go play with the big boys and make some big-time money. And right now he's showing that he's got capabilities of doing that, Greg. And a lot goes into this. I, I just think that there's Jan Jorgensen influence. I think there's Kelly Popinga influence. I think that there's Sione Pua influence. I think that he's got Jay Hill influence with scheme where he's lining him up. I watched him slide into a jet formation. I, I mentioned this during the broadcast last week. I watched him slide into a jet formation against Arkansas. I didn't see him do that last year against any team and he slid into it in a perfect third down situation and goes and gets that big sack Tyler Batty I wish I could just give him a big hug it fills my heart with so much joy to see him having so much success he deserves it you know who doesn't want a big hug from Tyler Batty Jalen Daniels <laughs> yeah yeah because he comes down hard with his guys back with more of the Ken Garf Kruger kickoff show live from Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network Listening to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to the Feast Box broadcast booth and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so getting you set for BYU. Oh! <laughs> wow. Those were low. That was a flyover. Those were low. BYU and KU here at Kansas Memorial Stadium Big 12 opener. Well, well, well. That was something. Uh, I talked earlier in the broadcast to pregame at least hands about how similar these two teams got to 3-0. and 
And, and there are a lot of differences between these two teams. But here's something interesting. When it comes to points scored and points allowed, a.k.a. your scoring margin, KU's at plus 16, BYU's at plus, fif- plus 15. They've basically found different ways to achieve the same result. BYU's arguably doing more with less, at least on offense. But hands the Cougs are doing what it takes to win. Ball security, red zone efficiency, field position dominance. And that's what it comes down to. Really, Aaron Roberts' offense is a full control offense. Here comes the Jets again. We just got we just got part two of the flyover. That's actually our third flyover because we had a tornado we got the earlier. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, got the tornado and now we got the two jet flyovers. <laughs> uh, that's Aaron Roderick's mo. Yeah, he pays such close attention to the red zone performances and ball security. They've done an amazing job of securing that thing. They, obviously, they got to continue that uh, coming up against the Jayhawks. All right, coming up, we'll head down to field level. Check in with Mitchell Jurgens as the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show continues after this. Live from Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. First, Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion have both flashed. And last week, Parker Kingston showed that he's ready for a larger role. Let's bring in now former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens in the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you. And Mitch... BYU's group of pass catchers has become a strength of this year's team, just not exactly in the way we thought it would. Yeah, Greg, they certainly have. And and to your point, we're seeing some new faces and numbers making a big impact here that gets me really excited for today and for the rest of the season. Uh, You mentioned Parker Kingston. I want to highlight him. I I love what this guy has come in and done, but, but it wasn't the big plays last week that caught my attention. Yes, they were impressive in a big game like last week, and I loved seeing him rise up and prove he can make a big play in a big moment but Parker plays with an aggression and speed that I really like he's fast he's explosive and so far seems to be the receiver that's creating the most separation from his defenders which I'm sure Keaton is going to love and find more of him if he continues to do that Um, so I can't wait to see how they utilize him again today but but the second player I want to highlight is Isaac Rex and I know he's a tight end a veteran but he is a pass catcher who in my opinion has taken a significant leap forward in his play from his blocking in the run game um, to some one-handed catches. Uh, he's a bright spot on this offense who is being used in many different ways, and, and I expect the same thing to happen today as Keaton clearly trusts his big target tight end. Awesome. Thank you, Mitch. Great stuff. Coming up next, the coin toss of the opening kickoff. This has been the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show live from David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network.